The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast. I am your host, Roger, along with my co-host, Jason. And today on the podcast, we're going to talk about and look at a psalm uh, that we think is relevant to everything that's going on in our world today, all the uncertainty, all the different news stories we hear every day. Uh, But before we get to our topic, one of the things we like to do each episode is get to know each other a little bit better. So I have a question for you you uh, this evening, Jason. And the question I have for you is growing up or even today, uh, what kind of nicknames have you had or currently have? Oh, man. Really? Nicknames? (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's terrible. Um, uh, Well, the the one that just jumps out at me and I remember quite well is uh, my my cousin Paul and my good friend Godin used to call me uh, Justique, <laughs> and uh, I think it just really had the, had the connotation of of small. You're just, <laughs> you know you're Justique, <laughs> so <laughs> and uh, otherwise I don't really have uh, too many nicknames, but that was what they would call me quite a bit back in the day, and uh, had to do with how how not so big I am. Um, <laughs> Roger, what about you? Did you have any nicknames growing up or, or any presently? Uh, I did, but I really want to know, do they still call you that when they see you? No, it's been a while. No, now that now it's just, now it's just Jake's, but, but no, okay. thankfully no, no just digs uh, going okay. on. I'll remind Paul next time I see him. Great. Now he'll start again. <laughs> Well, I've had different nicknames growing up, and I don't know why, but in different jobs, I've had different people give me nicknames. I don't know. It just goes with the territory for some reason. So um, uh, growing up, I worked uh, uh, when I used to work at Carl's Jr. a long, long time ago. I remember I worked there and uh, I, I worked with uh, uh, a lot of uh, people there, and some of my Hispanic friends uh, used to call me Royer. Um, at that job and then uh, some of the other jobs I had later I had my French name so I became Roger Uh Um, and then uh, I had uh, Big Raj that was when I was uh, overweight Um, and then uh, whoa whoa wait 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 Roger what you were overweight at some point <laughs> growing up i think until about 20 uh a lot heavier than i was especially as a kid uh more on the husky side you can call it um, i would never ever have guessed that wow okay yeah. learn something yeah. new man yeah and then currently i guess people call me raj they just don't want to say the whole roger so they just call me raj but... <laughs> it's because we're lazy raj <laughs> yes <laughs> I know it's a, it's it's hard to say all those uh, that that full name so yeah <laughs> uh, 
Very oh, cool. good. Yeah. So today in, on the podcast, I want to talk about something that, that could be really relevant and speak to people. I think we're all facing, especially this year with the pandemic and um, now with the elections coming up and, um, you know, talks of war and war occurring and just different things going on around the world. We just feel just this uncertainty. We feel circumstances are ever changing. Uh, we joke about 2020. What's next? Is this year ever going to end? And what new story might we hear next? Yeah. Um, but I think that oftentimes our focus is so much on our circumstances and not so much on God. And so in, in this episode, we wanted to look at a psalm, Psalm 46, and try to put our minds back on the Lord. Um, and as we go through this and, and observe the text and talk about it, uh, Jason, why don't you give us some uh, historical context, uh, you know, historical uh, in the church of the importance of this psalm and how it was used? Yeah, I mean, this, this psalm is a, a well-known psalm because, well, I mean, it's well-known because it's such an important psalm, I think, in Scripture, like you're saying, to redirect and reorient our thinking but one of the cool kind of uh, tidbits we get from history has to do with martin luther and his love for this particular psalm so much though that the the very famous hymn that he wrote a mighty fortress is based on this psalm itself and you can we see the language of fortress in there a couple of times and uh, how the lord is our bulwark our protection hmm. um so that's one one tidbit there but what's kind of cool is at least i can't confirm this but i did read somewhere uh <laughs> that luther uh, when he was feeling the tension of the day that, that extra pressure during those early days of the reformation um, whenever he would feel that way he would say to his associate philip melanchthon he'd say come philip to the 46th Psalm. And then they would <laughs> go and open up the scriptures and, and read this Psalm. And, and that would bring back uh, some, some sense of peace. Mm. That's good to think about how, you know, even Luther was reminding and remembering the scripture and, re and rehearsing the scripture because we often forget it, right? We, we, we read God's truth. We hear it preached but so often when things start occurring around us, all of a sudden we forget the truth that we know and we need to be reminded of it, of it again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so, uh, we, we talk about the significance, the importance of scripture all the time, and it's important for such a time as this, right? Mm -hmm. It's important because we're, we want our minds to be reoriented. We want to refocus our thoughts uh, because if not, we'll just wander and and mm -hmm. be so anxious and burdened by everything that's going on around us. Uh, we could be really easily overwhelmed. And uh, so this this psalm is one that I go to often too, for the same reason that you know Luther did. I'm sure throughout history, a, a lot of God's people ran to this psalm. Uh, so it'd be fun for us to kind of walk through this together. Yeah, so as we look into this, is there any specific biblical context of the psalm of, of what was going on with the Lord's people that it was written in, uh, the setting of the psalm? You know, I, I, I'm not uh, certain if, you know, in terms of what the particular setting was. Uh, I didn't get 
any chance to to see anything in the in the mm-hmm. works that I looked at that that seemed to indicate that they're very well aware of the context of this psalm. But from what we see in the psalm, uh, there there's there's something from the outside uh, outside of God's people that seem to be pressing in on God's people. Mm. And how how do they how are they to think in those moments? Um, yeah, but I can't. I, I couldn't find any particular uh, event that it was referring to. That's good. Yeah, it's somewhat of what we're going through now of just everything happening at once. So let's get into the psalm and start talking about it. We were talking before of how the psalm could be broken up into uh, three different sections. Um, uh, let me just read the first three verses as we get into it. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Hmm. It, it's an interesting way uh, to start the psalm in, in a sense that he begins with a focus on the Lord, yeah. with a focus on God, right? Yeah. That's it. It, it, it's when you were reading it, it was even more noticeable uh, to me than when I'm reading kind of quietly to myself, mm-hmm. but because I was able to kind of think in a different way, but it's so true. He starts with our anchor. He starts with our absolute hope and, and that firm promise. Uh, and then he says, here's when it's important for you to know this uh, in the time that the earth gives way, the mountains seem to be moved. You know, everything seems like it's in chaos. Nature is, is going haywire, mm-hmm. right? You know, the waters are roaring and foaming. The mountains are trembling. All this stuff's going on. But we're not to fear because we already know something that stands above all that. Mm. Elohim, mm. God. God is. And, and even just ending at that, God is, should cause our fears to abate and and to 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 be at peace um, so it's good he starts us out that way yeah it's really interesting even even the words that are chosen or the emphasis there is you know god is a refuge and strength but a very present help in trouble there seems to be yeah. an emphasis that god isn't just there he's there he's he's he understands all of it and he's present with us and nothing is is new to the lord nothing is a surprise uh, for yeah. for what's occurring and that that's a comfort especially in our times of of i think the word i keep using is uncertainty because it is in many ways um, yeah right yeah and, and i think that the the biggest thing that we as believers need to somehow remember and meditate on is this very thing that the the psalmist is talking about this presence of god it's mm-hmm. we're going to hit it again in in some of the other sections but it's he's present uh, the, the the way he is our refuge and strength is that he is present with us and when he is with us nothing can harm us right and mm-hmm. we have to realize that that there is no matter what's going on around us no matter what it looks like, because it looks terrible in verses two and three, 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. way, the mountains are being moved. You're like, whoa, what just happened? You know, earthquakes <laughs> and this and that. And, but at the very same time, so it's not that those things are not going to happen, but while they're happening, our God is present with us and his presence alone means that there is a refuge for us and strength and these other things won't overcome us. Hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking, thinking of that, of even his presence of, of how do, how do we think about how God manifests his presence to us? One thing to know it's true, mm-hmm. but how do we, how do we experience, maybe that's the word, how do we experience his presence? Well, how would you answer that? That's a good question. I, I think sometimes we're, when we are looking for experience, we're, we're, we're thinking to ourselves, you know, um, how do I, how do I know he's going to carry me through this mm-hmm. incident? You know, how do I know? Yeah. And, and I, I don't think we necessarily can know all the time experientially. I think that what often happens is we allow the word to preach to us the truth um, that helps us to interpret our circumstances through the lens of the truth. And that becomes our experience. Um, because there, I, don't, I don't think that we uh, necessarily in the moment um, experience in a tangible way the, that God is our refuge and strength. But when we turn around after it's done and we see how we got through it, we know he was there as our refuge and strength. And so the word of God is trying to, to convince us to, to see with eyes of faith, even when we can't sense it, you know, physically, tangibly, et cetera. I don't know if that made any sense, but it it made perfect sense because what it it brought out is, is the point of the right order that, that the, the word of God comes before our experience in a sense of the word of God interprets our experience. Our experience doesn't interpret the word of God. Often we're looking right at our experiences and what we're going through. And we're putting that back on the scripture instead of scripture speaking into what's occurring in our lives. And we can get off on that because we're thinking that our experiences are, are, defining our lives instead of what God says is the truth. Yeah. And it's interesting. I was thinking about uh, maybe another way to illustrate this, but um, how often, uh, you know, my children get scared, let's say, or, or when I was growing up, I used to have fears. I would be scared. And uh, you know, my parents would say, Hey, there's nothing to be afraid of. I give you my word. We're here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wherever they are, maybe they're outside the room or, you know, uh, I did not feel safe in those moments, even though they told me that. Okay. Yeah. My experience was one of trepidation and fear and these fears overwhelm me. And, but did that, did those fears and that experience I was having, was that reality? No. Mm-hmm. What my parents had actually said was true. <laughs> there was nothing to fear. They were there. And especially when they would remind me that the Lord is with me, that was the greatest of truths. But so my experience is blurry and it blurs Mm. reality. And so that's why we need the word to remind us, to clarify for us, to reorient us and to, to, like we said earlier, to interpret for us the reality. Um, So I don't know if that helps illustrate it a little bit too. Yeah, that's good. And I think that, you know, even even having other believers in our lives, uh, speaking into our lives, encouraging us 
it helps us uh, in those times when, as you say, our experience makes us makes it blurry for us. Yeah. We don't quite understand. We need that encouragement uh, back uh, to go back to the to the Word of God, and other believers help us do that. They help reorient our thinking to where it really should be. That's the hope. Unfortunately, I think sometimes they they might help us think the wrong things. You know, I was thinking uh, I've been reading through Job again recently, and I'm like, man, <laughs> sometimes our friends can can uh, really harm things. But yeah, you're right. The point of the body of Christ is to be, you know, encouraging each other with these words. You know, reorient our thinking, preach the truth to each other, spur each other on, etc. Like you're saying, I think that's good, and we should be that. That's the way to help each other these days, right? Remind each other of God's promises. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, negativity is, uh, uh, you know, there's so much negativity and it's contagious from one person to another. We, we forget to encourage and to remember God's truth. And that's why we're thinking about the Psalm um, and how it, how it does it. So let's continue on a little bit uh, in in the next handful of verses, uh, four to seven. Psalmist says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Hmm. It's amazing. You go from verse three, where you have uh, these roaring waters, these foaming waters, these trembling, this swelling. And then all of a sudden, verse four, you're in the middle of this peaceful city of God, right? Now it's just this river and the streams are not scaring us, but they're making us glad. And he's once again, starting off with the, this visualization, this, this image of God on his throne in his city. And in verse five, you know, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Mm. And then you get the nations raging in verse six, right? <laughs> but it's okay because our thoughts are where they need to be already. So we're not afraid of the nations raging because we see the peace that God gives to us already. And then when they rage and the kingdoms totter, it's amazing. He utters his voice. The earth melts. <laughs> That's it. There's no competition. Yeah. Uh, so when we see the, when we start with the right image of God, when we start with the right image of his, uh, his sovereignty, his power and his love for us, the rest of this stuff, it just kind of fades into the background. Hmm. Yeah, there's a big, big contrast there uh, um, as we go through the verses uh, that help bring out the character and the power of, of God, right? And and yeah. it uses imagery that we could understand, you know, of this river whose streams make glad the city of God, that peace that you talk about. Um, yeah. You know, I was, uh, you know, I went on a hiking trip with my brother uh, a few weeks ago. And as we were hiking in, in the mountains and we were going past these streams of water and just listening to the peaceful water just flowing down the mountain from the very top going all the way down to the bottom, I just, I just stopped and just said, I just want to capture this moment. 
it's yeah. so peaceful and the the creator god put these mountains here he sustains it and he yeah. and it continues to flow and it just helped reorient my thinking of of who god was um you know and those are those uh, those pictures that help us understand um uh, god's strength Absolutely. and his power and his peace right i, I love those moments you're you're right and and those those natural moments of peace that the Lord has built into his creation. And this is a fallen version, you know, mm-hmm, like yeah. kind of imagine <laughs> what the, the redeemed uh, version will look like. And uh, yeah, there's, there is definitely the sense of, of immovable um, peace that, that our God gives while he's on his throne. And, and even when, I, and again, I love that you've got in verse six, the nation's rage, mm. right? But then again, look at verse seven, the Lord of hosts is with us. And that, that's that word, you know, the Lord of hosts is Lord Sabaoth that uh, Luther writes in one of the verses of his, of a mighty fortress, Lord Sabbath. <laughs> I used to think it had to do with the Sabbath. It has nothing to do with the Sabbath. It's the Hebrew, <laughs> it's the Hebrew word for hosts and, and the hosts means armies and so saying that the nations can rage all they want, but the Yahweh with his armies is present mm. with us. And it reminds me of that scene with the, I think it's Elisha and his servant, right? When, when Elisha prays that the Lord would open up the eyes of his servant to see the spiritual armies that are there present protecting them. Uh, if we could just see with eyes of faith, all this other stuff, we you know we're hearing wars and rumors of wars. I can't help but but bring up the fact that Armenia and Artsakh or, or uh, Nagorno-Karabakh are under attack right now as yeah. we speak. Um, but we've got to continue to be on our knees praying because the Lord of hosts is with us. Yahweh Sabaoth is with us. And he's going to protect us. Yeah, and you see that parallelism in in, in the next the next line, the Lord of hosts is with us. And then again, the God of Jacob is our fortress. So, yeah. and that's just another way to talk about who God is and his presence with us. And they give that imagery of a fortress, the strength, the protection that he yeah. has for us. Um, yeah. It's highlighted there. And if you think about it, I mean, look, I think sometimes we read a Psalm like this and we go, well, does that mean that we're never going to be harmed or hurt or mm-hmm. die or, and, and I think, I think the, the, the answer to that, and, and I'd love to hear your take on this too, Roger. I, I, I think that the answer to this is we will never experience ultimate harm because God is our fortress. If we belong to Christ, if we belong to him in Christ, we may experience the, you know, the fallenness of this world, even death, we will experience one day, but there mm-hmm. will never be ultimate harm done to us. We can be assured that even that, which is the worst and most painful thing, death itself actually simply leads us to glory and to great joy and peace. So mm-hmm. no ultimate harm. Uh, that's how he's our fortress. But what do you, what do you think? Yeah, and I think just adding adding our previous conversations of the Lord's sovereignty is that nothing occurs in our life that hasn't 
gone through the Lord, that he's in even control of all that we face. The yeah. fact that we live in a broken world, the fact that we live in a world that's stained by sin and has affected everything, we're not exempt from the pain and suffering that other people uh, will experience. Unbelievers and believers all face suffering in this world. The the encouragement for believers is it's controlled by the Lord. And even the last enemy, death, is not an enemy for us. It's just yeah. the, the passage into, uh, into eternity. So whatever we experience here, even if it's painful and, and there's suffering and it hurts, it, it's it's a reminder that this this world is not our home mm. and that God ultimately is going to carry us forward yeah. and and we we can't explain all of it we don't know and we can't we can't live with our eyes closed um, but we can yeah. recognize that that God is for us always yeah. And, and he's somewhere we can run to, you know, a fortress finding our protection, even in the suffering, we can run to the word of God and yeah. we can run to God and be protected um, by, uh, by him, uh, no matter what occurs in our lives. So, yeah, the, 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 the Proverbs say that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the yes. righteous run into it and they are safe. Yeah. And when you think of the name of the Lord, Yahweh, but then you think of what the name Jesus means it's Yahweh saves and Jesus is the answer to this, right? He, he is the fulfillment of God's protecting, saving love and his work can never be taken from his people. Yeah. Yeah. And he's with us at all times. That's the promise yeah. here, right? It's he's yep. with us. Yeah. He hasn't left us. So let's continue uh, the the final four verses yeah. and see where the psalmist takes us. It says, come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love when the word behold is used in scripture uh, because there's this special attention given. One, one author, this uh, author, Derek Kidner, says that behold is an invitation to come and see with the inward eye. And I love mm. that. So behold, like we're saying it with the eyes of faith, the works of Yahweh, L look and see all that he has done and all that he can do. Um, and let that guide your thinking about your circumstances. There's these war, go the war is going on verse nine, you know, he makes wars cease. You know, we are looking around us right now. We're seeing war. We're seeing chaos. We're seeing this election coming. We're seeing, you know, the most embarrassing debate of all time just <laughs> recently, right? Where you're thinking this is the United States of America. And, you know, you just, this is, this is 2020 is wow. What a year. But you know what our Lord does? He makes wars to cease. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He puts an end to it. He is over all these things. He's over all of these spheres, as one author put it. 
Yeah, and we we see that from the the history of of the people in the Old Testament, as we see how God uh, uh, defeated the enemies of Israel yeah. many times, over and over and over, protecting and saving the people from from wars and destruction. I think one of the questions that often comes out, or you can think about, is well, why does He allow it to begin with? Why do we see it? Why do so many people have to perish and suffer? And, you know, that's a, a large question maybe for another time, but it is a, yeah. uh, uh, a reality in our, in our world. Even we see it today, you know, as mm-hmm. we talked about Armenia and, you know, things still occur, wars still begin, but we're reminded that the Lord oversees even all of that. Yeah. Um, he is an ultimate control, but it's interesting when you get to verse 10, Yeah, that verse of be still and know that I am God. Can you bring that out for us a little bit? Yeah, this is such an interesting verse that I've often used. And now that I've been looking into it a little bit more, I wonder if I've misused, <laughs> you know, we, we often point to this verse as a way of just encouraging the believer to just be still, right? To just be calm, be still and know God know he's present with you and just kind of reflect and meditate on that reality and, and, and experience peace. But as I was looking at it and reading some authors, it seems that they, that, that may not be the case here. It might be that the Lord is saying to the warring factions, to the people causing the chaos, uh, kind of like the, the, the roaring sea when the disciples are on the boat with Jesus and he's asleep and they're like, oh my goodness, you know, we're all going to perish and die. And Jesus gets up and he says, peace, be still. Uh, some authors are saying that this whole be still and know that I am God is actually God's rebuke to the mm-hmm. restless and turbulent world. That's a quote from someone. It's a rebuke to the restless and turbulent world. He's saying to them, peace, be still, be quiet, mm-hmm. stop and know that I am God. And that's why he goes on to say, I will be exalted. I will be exalted, right? Hmm. And so as I was thinking about that, I think we can see both of these things as a reality in this verse. If you're not on God's side, if you're the one causing chaos, etc., yes, the Lord is rebuking you. Be still. I'm in control, not you. But if you're on his side and you've been the oppressed, you're the fearful one in those moments, I think it does work that we can say, be still in the sense of meditate and, and reflect on who God is because you're, you can be at peace since he's got this, he's going to handle the situation. You just look to him. Um, so, you know, perhaps both are going on there. Yeah, that's good. I, I hadn't heard of that uh, uh, interpretation of, of that verse before. You know, this verse is just uh, quickly looked at. You just pull this verse out and try to uh, try to apply it and try to bring peace to our hearts. But thinking of it in the entire context and how God is overseeing creation, it's really interesting to think of him just telling his creation, be still, stop, you know, and I'm going to yeah. be exalted. And we even think of it today, like we've been in this pandemic for you know, what, six, seven months now, yeah. right? And it seems like it's never ending, but but we know at any moment, God can act and do whatever he wants. Yep, absolutely. It, it's more powerful than him. And maybe he stretched it out, even, even thinking how he stretches us as believers of the more time goes on, it exposes our heart of, are we going to keep trusting him? Yeah. Or are we going to take our eyes off of him 
Um, and I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, there are times where I just, I fail to see with the eyes of faith Absolutely. and I get caught up with this world and what's going on and think, okay, what's next when we wake up tomorrow morning? <laughs> <laughs> you, you never know this year. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting, Roger, because this reminded me, this reminded me of, um, the end of the book of revelation and, you know, depending, it doesn't matter what your millennial view is, but, but at, the end, <laughs> at the end of the millennium, whatever that millennium actually is, uh, it says that Satan is going to be loosed, you know, for this last hurrah, so to speak. But if you look at the way John describes the end and his defeat, there isn't this long drawn out description of how Satan comes back and fights and people die. And no, it's, he comes back to fight and, and the Lord just kills him. He dies. It's done. Mm. And he's cast into the lake of fire and it's over. There's no competition. When the Lord wants, it will end and it will end suddenly, whether it's this virus or disease or death, whatever it is, the Lord, he will say, be still and it will be still. And what he wants us to do is trust him right now. Keep our eyes on him, not on our circumstances. Uh, he will handle the circumstances. We need to be looking at him. That's why it reminds us yet again in verse 11, the Lord yep. of hosts is with us. He is our fortress. Um, man, it's easy to talk about this sometimes, but it's hard to remember it like you were saying each and every yeah. morning when we wake up. Yeah, that's that's a good word and a good way to wrap up this psalm. You know, if we've if we covered it and thought through different angles and different perspectives uh, on this psalm, what are you thinking about as we uh, leave this conversation? Is something to take away from it. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think trying to delve a little more deeply into how you know you, you asked the experience question in the beginning, and I think it's a really good question. Um, I think that the answer that we began to discuss is is on the right track, but I think that's something I'd like to kind of think carefully about some more and understand uh, what is good and proper experience, because there is experience of God's presence even in this world. Um, but how, how is that uh, mediated to us? Um, that's something I want to think about some more. What about you? Yeah, I just I love the psalm, you know, from beginning to end, just walking through it and just being reminded of, of who God is, his character, his yeah. strength, his love for us. And you think about this. This is written in a context uh, in the Old Testament and of, of how God is for us. And you just think in the gospel. Mm -hmm. God has died and <laughs> for our sins and saved us and loves us. How much even more uh, we have of God and his presence and love for us. And so many connections, just such a great yeah. Psalm to meditate on. And just to, just to do this, to remember and remind ourselves to read this as you brought up to at the beginning of how Luther reminded to go back to Psalm 46, yeah. I think is yeah. my takeaway from it so great conversation we hope that you enjoyed uh this episode of the rod and staff podcast and we hope to see you next time if you enjoyed this episode of the rod and staff podcast please subscribe and share with others for more information or to contact the host with questions or comments please send email correspondence to feedback at rodandstaff.org that is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.